This is day 113 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Psalms chapters 83 through 87. Lord God, thank you for this day. Lord, you speak all the time. You are speaking now. You're speaking through your word. You're whispering into our hearts. And so often, Lord, we don't give ourselves the time to listen to you. So often we are so busy with ourselves, occupied with our selfishness, that we don't stop to consider you in all things. And that just shows a lack of maturity and true devotion to you, Lord. Lord, as you challenge us in this area today, please show us how to commune with you better, how to spend time with you, how to talk to you. And ultimately, more than just talking, which we do plenty of, teach us how to listen, Lord. You just had to listen to your word and your instruction for us. Please bless the reading of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. O oh God, do not remain quiet. Do not be silent. And O oh God, do not be still. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. And those who hate you have exalted themselves. They make shrewd plans against your people and conspire together against your treasured ones. They have said, Come, and let us wipe them out as a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one mind. Against you they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebal and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also has joined with them. They have become a help to the children of Lot. Salah. Deal with them as with Midian, as with Sisera and Jabin in the torrent of Kishan, who were destroyed at Endor, who became as dung for the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, and all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, Let us possess for ourselves the pastures of God. O oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like chaff before the wind, like fire that burns the forest, and like a flame that sets the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest, and terrify them with your storm. Fill their faces with dishonor, that they may seek your name, O Lord, let them be ashamed and dismayed forever, and let them be humiliated and perish, that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the Most High over all the earth. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts! My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you in whose heart are the highways to Zion. 
passing through the valley of Baca, they make a spring. Their early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Salah. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. O Lord, you have showed favor to your land. You restored the captivity of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. Selah. You withdrew all your fury. You turned away from your burning anger. Restore us, O God of your salvation, and cause your indignation toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not yourself revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your loving kindness, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth springs from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. Indeed, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its produce. Righteousness will go before him, and will make his footsteps into a way. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am a godly man. O you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Make glad the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and give heed to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. 
Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness toward me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, arrogant men have risen up against me, and a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. O grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. Show me a sign for good, that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Selah. I shall mention Rahab and Babylon among those who know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. This one was born there. But of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord will count when he registers the peoples. This one was born there. Selah. Then those who sing as well as those who play the flutes shall say, All my springs of joy are in you. All right, so another short reading today. Psalm 83 is a psalm of Asaph. And we're going to start deviating away from Asaph at this point. But he starts off with pleading with God for help from his enemies, as well as enemies of God himself, because as we have talked before, the world doesn't hate us particularly. It hates what we stand for, and we stand for Christ. And so the world hates Christ, not us. But by extension, we suffer because of that. And so you see that in verse 5, they have conspired together with one mind. Against you, they make a covenant. We see that more and more every day, don't we? We see so many people band together against God. And it fulfills some of the other psalms that we've already read, especially Psalm chapter 2, where it says that you know all the nations of the earth are gathering together against the Lord as if they were amassing an army against the mountain of God, and God is just sitting on his throne laughing at them. We know it's not going to be successful, and that's why he says in verse 17, Let them be ashamed and dismayed forever and let them be humiliated and perish, that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the Most High over all the earth, that you are the Sovereign King. And we know that's going to happen in the end times. When Jesus returns, all will come into judgment, and that's when that will be fulfilled. Chapter 84 is a pilgrimage song, and we're going back to the sons of Korah, doing a few of these today. 
And what they're talking about this time is the passion that they have for God's house, for being a member of his congregation. When you look at it at a glance, if you really don't know what's going on here, it would look like you're talking about his temple, or you're talking about the church. That if I go into the church, I am blessed, and I want to just live in your church all day long. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is those who are allowed to enter into his house. How do we determine that? Well, the only people that are allowed to enter into the temple are the ones that are clean, that are consecrated, made holy, right? And by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been made holy. And that bridged the gap between us and God himself. So when we are able to enter into God's presence at any time, that's why it says in the New Testament when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman that we are to worship God in spirit and in truth, worshiping him for exactly who he is, and that's why it's important we know what the scripture says, but we worship him in spirit, meaning there are no boundaries for our worship. And so going into his presence and dwelling in his house symbolizes not only being our ability to go into God's presence at any time, but also our ultimate end, which is going to be that we'll be joining him in paradise forever. So we see this here, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you, and in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Now again, Zion is a depiction of the throne of God, his holy city, which is New Jerusalem in the Revelation. So it completes the thought that's in verse 4, where it says, How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. That is a fulfillment that will happen in the end times when we go to heaven. We will be always praising God. But it's talking more about what our goal and our efforts will be on this earth. Because we already will be as strong as possible in heaven. But for right now, we need to make sure that our heart is open to him. We need to trust in him as our strength. And our high, when it says our hearts are the highways to Zion, it's talking about not only does our path, the way that we live, direct ourselves toward God continually, but also we are marking the road on the map for other people to see Zion. So, again, we don't save people, but we do show people the way through the gospel and through our conduct. Those are kind of what he's talking about here. And... Is God fully satisfactory? Yes. Does he fully satisfy? Yes. Because it says in verse 10, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. We have to be careful with this thought because, yes, he will do good to us because we are saved. 
but that is not just a free license to do as we please or have that feeling of entitlement. There are still efforts and work to be done. There are still things that he requires us to do for the effort of sanctification, evangelism, all that. So we still have responsibilities in this. But if we do what is right, we are obedient to the Lord, he will do great things in our lives. He will not withhold any good thing from us. That is a promise. Psalm 85 is also one from the sons of Korah. And this is a psalm of contemplation of past, present, and future, it seems. Because it starts off with remembering the things that God has done in the past. The first few verses. You restored the captivity of Jacob. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your fury. So on and so forth. And then you see in verse 4, it goes into the issues of the current day. Restore us. Cause your indignation toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us? Will you not yourself revive us again? Show us your loving kindness. So you see that there's uncertainty right now. We see that there's struggles. And there's that prayer for hope and deliverance. And then we see in verse 8 and onward that there is hope for the future. Or the reassurance that God will act if we trust him. I will hear what God has to say, for he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones, and let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Perhaps the most important thing to remember for today is verse 8. I will hear what God the Lord will say, for he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones. Prayer. Extremely important that we have a prayer life. But so often we don't do it right. So often it is a one-way conversation. It is a monologue or a speech or a laundry list of things that we want done. But we don't often pray and allow time for God to speak to us. Now, he may not speak to you in a actual voice, but there are whispers that he puts into our heart continually that give us peace, give us that reassurance, give us that confidence where he'll put ideas into your head, things that align with his will. And that's how we spend time with God. We allow him the opportunity to speak. We are so quick to talk. We're so quick to complain and to cry out for deliverance, but we don't listen. It's like if you're married, if you just never listened to your spouse, then you lose a lot of respect. You lose a lot of feelings of love, right? You feel like what you say doesn't matter if the other person doesn't listen. God's perfection prevents him from getting his feelings hurt like that, but we rob ourselves of blessings by not listening to the Lord. So even though, like it says in chapter 86, incline your ear, O Lord, really we should be saying it the other way. In addition to that, man, incline your ear to God. Woman, incline your ear to God. 
that he may do well to you, that he may do good things for you and give you wisdom. Speaking of Psalm 86, this is a Psalm of David, and but this is the only Psalm that we're going to see from him for a little while. So let's not get too excited that we're back to David again. So he starts off the same kind of way like he usually does. He opens with petitions of deliverance and struggles and all that. And he reminds himself as well as he tells God that he knows who he is, that he is good, that he's ready to forgive. He's abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you and again to give ear. And he's able to say all that because he understands God and he understands what God can and will do. That's why you see some very bold statements from him, such as, In the day of my trouble I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. He's not commanding God, but he has that confidence that God will answer him in the day of trouble. And let's be honest, in the day of trouble, if we are running to the Lord, we're on the right track. Because so often we don't do that, right? So often we go and trust in something else to comfort us for a little while. But if we run to the God in times of trouble, he will listen and he will respond. And then he has in verse 8 another bold statement. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. No one else has ever done anything like you have. But no one has come even close to competing with him. He is in a league of his own. And here's another important one, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. We, he can't teach us if we're not listening, right? But here's another one. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart. Which means that it's currently divided, right? Usually that means we are serving two masters. We are loving God and we're loving something in this world. Unite our hearts toward God. He alone is sovereign over our hearts. We can make some decisions on our own, but ultimately God is responsible for controlling our hearts. And so we need to plead with God to unite our hearts to him so that we can give him the proper respect and reverence that he deserves. And lastly, we have Psalm 87, which is from the sons of Korah. This is one that is delighting in Zion and Jerusalem, which, again, Zion is part of Jerusalem and actual geography, but it's also talking about the kingdom of God. So this is just talking about those who are born there are blessed. So the way that we apply this one is that like it says in the New Testament, our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We will be living there forever. And so when we say that, yeah, this one is born there, it talks about all these different places saying this one was born there. Well, we weren't born in heaven, but that is our hometown. Just like they're talking about here, your hometown, your heritage, your origins. In our case, that is our ultimate destination, and our origin is found in God and in his sovereign will to save us. 
So certainly we need to see this, not necessarily from a Jewish perspective, that Jerusalem is a sacred place, which it is, and God places great value in it, but also we can apply that for ourselves as meaning heaven and the eternal kingdom that's to come, which we are citizens of. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.